Hey, Future Glenn here. Uh, I wanted to note before we get started on this episode that um, we recorded this episode prior to the announcement of Bernard Cribbins' death at the age of 93. Um, we want to uh, obviously pay our respects and honor the British actor who has had roles in Doctor Who, of course, as Wilfred Mott, and then in the uh, 1960s movie uh, Dalek Invasion Earth 2150 A.D., and of course, we want to look back on his career and, and discuss that. But I want to let you know that we're going to do that probably on a later show. But uh, I wanted to give you a heads up that we are aware. And uh, that's why it's not discussed in this episode. So I'll turn this back over to our past selves. Traveling the Vortex. most wonderful man in the universe as he travels the vortex and arrives at episode 526 i'm keith i'm sean i'm glenn how's it going guys <laughs> did you think one one of us was gonna do it this time well, you started last time when we had a false start so i thought oh you know, uh, we're do the same thing again <laughs> pregnant pause <laughs> Oh, I thought Sean was going to say he was pregnant. Um, that would be huge news. Doing good. You guys do anything this week? Exciting? Nothing? Did you watch any movies or play any games or anything? I finished a book. What would you finish? Shadow of the Sith. Mm. That's that Luke Skywalker, Lando Calrissian um, adventure set between trilogies. And it was okay. The sad thing is the most interesting parts of the book are when they don't connect to Rise of Skywalker in the slightest. <laughs> I was about to ask a really dumb question and ask, which trilogies is it between? And then my brain caught up to me and went, wait, no, don't ask that question. <laughs> it is it is the book that's meant to allegedly fix some of Last Jedi. so Or Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. It, all it really does is elaborate on the, you know, what Lando talks about of what he and Luke were doing and justifies how Ray's parents were on that ship mm, when okay. it didn't really need to be justified, in my opinion. Right, right. <laughs> and unfortunately, there's a large chunk of it where they have Ray with them and it just feels wrong. Like, it, this entire story about them should have happened after they left her at Jakku mm -hmm. instead of her being with them almost the entire time. It's ah. just, it, yeah, there's just a lot about it that didn't quite set well. And I even went back and rewatched Rise of Skywalker to see if, you know, it kind of fixed a lot of those issues I had. And it just fills in those gaps. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of the equivalent of, I, I think I talked about, brotherhood and mm -hmm. how that was a good story but it was you know filling in a story based off of one line this feels like some of that but a little more than one line ah interesting wow you rewatched rise of skywalker that's uh <laughs> it's a that's, that's it's a movie that has good moments into it i was gonna say i've watched rise there are of, moments i've watched rise of skywalker a few times 
I, I, do, I don't dislike it. It has its issues, but it's a good movie. I mean, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy, I enjoy it for the, uh, the fan service for most, most part, but, um, I like it. It's I, an, I it's enjoy an enjoyable it film. It's Star Wars. Yeah. It's an enjoyable film. It's not one I return to frequently, but it is one that I've watched. I've probably sat down and watched it in, in its entirety, probably five times total since it came out. Yeah. This was probably uh, my fourth view. Maybe. I, I, I went to the theater and saw it a second time and I was so bored halfway <laughs> through that I, I just was kind of like, Ugh. and I, I bought it when it came out because I'm a completist and I have mm-hmm. to have them, but uh, I, I haven't been able to rise uh, to the, get the gumption to put it back in. I'm just kind of like, and you know, there, I agree with you. There are sequences that I genuinely like, but then there are so many missteps in it that just anger me. And it's like, no, I, I, I don't want to be angry at Star Wars. I don't want to be that fan. So I just, it's better to just keep it on the shelf and <laughs> leave it alone. Fake and fan, to, fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> the book actually creates another plot hole in the movie. Oh, nice. Because oh, <laughs> the stupid knife that, you know, they use to see, oh, here's where we have to go in the Death Star. Right. It's supposedly an ancient Sith knife. So how would it have any of the Death Star stuff tied to it? It doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm I'm sure Palpatine was standing over the uh, the engineering, uh, you know, design blueprint guys. Uh, what's that? Architect, architect shoulders. Going, when this okay, starship crashes like on this, this planet, so it's got to look. <laughs> I know it's going to crash this way, so it's got to have this weird hook thingy on it. Yeah, and this inscription on it. Well, wasn't it to find the throne room, though? And I think just the mere presence of two Sith in that throne room was probably enough for it to hone in. That's That would be my explanation for it. But it didn't use, like, Sith wayfinding stuff. It was literally a thing you drew, took out of the hilt that helped you point and find the throne room. It was like, it was like the Goonies doubloon. You lined up the rocks and... <laughs> hey, <Yeah>. there it is. <laughs> If it was like using like force sensitive, you know, stuff more than a physical thing that you extract, I could okay be okay with that too. Oh, okay. Oh, we've talked way too far along on this. <laughs> Sean, Sean, did you watch anything or read anything this week? I've just kept up on uh, kept up on our regular shows. The Orville continues to get better and better and better, which is saying something because it's been so consistently good this season. Uh, we're up to the break on Stranger Things, and I am legit concerned for Steve. Um, it's a good time to be a geek. I'm falling behind on my movies because we've had so much good TV to watch. You're and not then, you're uh, not being a very good geek because you're way far behind to the rest of us. Yeah, I know. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm watching with friends, and we we're get gonna, one in. We're gonna we get take, one a week. We're gonna take your geek card away. Hey, believe me, if it were up to me, I'd have mainline this stuff already. <laughs> And we went. See, Mel and I have talked that's about the, it. That's the difference. Had it been me, I would have, and then gone back and watched it again with my friends. We watched it. <laughs> yeah. We talked about it. We've looked at each other and gone, <laughs> "Okay, they're off the phone. Should we just go ahead and you know, mm-hmm. Zoom call has ended? Should we just go ahead and plow forward?" But I, I'm also a, a, a terrible actor, and I have the short films to prove it. So I don't think I could act surprised. <laughs> oh, wow! Who saw that coming? Not I. <laughs> But uh, and then Monday came and uh, wow, that was a, a one-two gut punch if ever there was one. 
Well, are we going to launch into news then? Or <laughs> that was at the top of my news list. Yeah, I don't unless you want to talk about what you did, because I'm not sure. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I yet, but. I did not have anything that I did that was worth talking about. Well, Nothing then exciting. let's do the ten o'clock news. Yeah. Well, see, you said one, two, gut punch, and I'm a, I'm assuming Sor- Servino must have been the other one for you. Servino was the other one. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I. I that one didn't affect me because I suppose because I haven't. I, I was saddened by the man's death, but I'm not that familiar with anything that made me, you know, endeared to the man. So I didn't really have that. Now, David Warner was one of those ones that it it hit me more than I expected it to because I've never been like a huge David Warner fan. Like I, I love the guy. I love the show, the movies that he's been in, but I've never been kind of that guy. I was like, Oh, David Warner, I'm going to try and watch everything he's in or it. So it really was really surprising that day when as, as saddened as I was by it, because I thought, wow, but I think it's because it kind of washes back over you all of the things that he is in that I do enjoy. And I sort of realized that I liked his work even better than I knew I did because I now was forced to go back and look at his catalog of things that he did. And that made me even more missing even more because I thought, well, this, this is it now. This is all we have. Yeah. Yeah. I think Sean and I have been on record on our love for David Warner. So I don't, (laughs) our, our sadness is probably (laughs) understated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For for me, it was a a, a combination because yeah, I'm with Keith. I mean, I, I I absolutely love David Warner, and he's just one of those actors that every time he shows up in something, it's like, oh sweet, David Warner's in this, Instantly and he has made a film better. Yeah, and he has so much geek credit. You know, when you look at Tron and Time After Time and Titanic and Time Bandits, and I mean, just it, the list goes on and All on, and on, and on and on and on. All the Star Trek, Star Treks, I mean, the Omen, <laughs> three different Star Trek credits for Pete's sake. And, what was, what um, was his third one? Because I know he was the Klingon in the sixth film. He was the the zealot in the second film. It wasn't a zealot. He was a. I was one of the guys that fell under the spell of what's his the, name, the Federation ambassador. Yes, in Star Trek yes. Five. Um, and then he's the um, the Cardassian uh, interrogator. In next gen, the one that uh, oh, the card meme, right, with the, there right, are four right. lights. He's yep. the one that keeps saying, "If you yep. say there's five, I'll let you go." I forgot that he was in that. And uh, I mean, he's the nerdy scientist in Secret of the Ooze. Yeah, that's probably the first I time think, I ever saw him. In. I think that that's what's fascinated me the most about his career, as I think a lot of guys that come out of the UK and move to the United States to be a movie star, kind of pick up. A majority of them, not all of them, but a majority of them, at least the old school actors from, I would say, from probably 70 on to the early 2000s, they sort of took on that persona of, especially once they became in big films, they sort of, that's all the parts they took. That's kind of, they felt like other jobs might be below them. Um, What surprises me so much about David Warner is you can tell David Warner acted because he loved to act. Because he would he would take anything, and I'm not saying he would take roles that were necessarily, you know, beneath him or, uh, you know, not. He didn't take roles for the sake of taking roles, like somebody like, um, well, Nicolas Cage might, but he, 
but he took he he, he nothing <laughs> nothing was was beneath him as far if 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 he liked it wanted to be in it or you know maybe was interested in the in the story or his his he his seems like a very humble man when you look back at the breadth of work that he did do and that the, as you say he could have been in really kind of anything after Tron and after the Star Trek films all day. And he wasn't really even like the character actor type, although he was a lead actor that kind of was a character actor as well, which I think yeah. is kind of fascinating about him as well. But he just, he seemed like a humble man because he would really just kind of work to work. He worked because he enjoyed working. Well, and there was so much stuff that like, I, I, when I initially watched it, didn't know it was him. Like, Razagul and Batman the Animated mm-hmm. Series, right. or the fact that he was in Freakazoid. He was the voice of the Lobe. He was the and Lobe. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't watch Freakazoid that much. Voice but... stuff that he did that it's like, wow, he did that too. It's just incredible. He's the uh, he's the narrator in Pooh's Grand Adventure. The I knew that. Christopher Robin. I knew that. Yeah, so much stuff, and I, I think for me, what uh, what hurts is he was one of those actors that I'd kind of had always, I mean, aside from having him up on this pedestal, I'd always envisioned meeting him at a con. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any doubt in my mind that that was going to happen. Mel and I'd already talked about it. It was like, you know, God, what are you going to have him sign? It was like, well, I'd have to, I'd have to put together a collage. I mean, you know, it's, there's so it's, many it's things, too much stuff. And so it was just kind of there. And I know that he, uh, you know, had done, uh, L.I. who that one year. And, and we just couldn't make it out there. And it was just like, well, that's okay. Cause I'll, I'll catch him at the next one. And, um, yeah, it was just, it, it, you know, it, it was going to happen. And then that was the first thing when I woke up, I, I, I grabbed my phone, shut the alarm off and for whatever reason started scrolling. And that was the first piece of news that I got Monday morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hadn't, even, my feet hadn't even hit the floor yet. And I was hit with that. And it just, I didn't, you talk about sucking the wind out of your sails, but I mean, I didn't have any there to begin with. It just was like, boom. And uh, there aren't many actors, so, you know, I try not to let celebrity deaths, you know, bother me, but there aren't many of them that hit the way that hit. And this for me was on par with like Harold Ramis or, or Leonard Nimoy, or, I mean, it, it, it was a big one. It left a gaping void. And it, it was it was just uh, you know not to mention all the Doctor Who stuff, you know the fact that uh, you know Cold War and uh, the Big Finish and um, uh, he's a he's a voice in Dreamland, yeah. So that one hurt. Something that and I Paul Servino was more just from the standpoint that he he was actually he was planning he was a guest uh, that was supposed to have come to Planet Comic Con uh, a couple years back, and. Um, we were supposed to, you know, he was on our list of, you know, well, since he's going to be here, you know, mm-hmm. and I know that everybody knows him from law and order and good fellows and stuff like that, but for good me, it's fellows. Always... okay. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't even tell you. I knew, I knew he was, <laughs> he was familiar enough with me. I couldn't tell you a film that I had seen him in. That was one of my things. I have seen good fellows though. So I do remember him in that. He's, he's always the mobster, you know, he, he's, mm-hmm. he's always, uh, he's always that guy. But for, for me, it would have been the rocketeer. Oh he, yeah. He, I he, forgot he was in that too. Yeah. You know, I may not be a, I, I may not make an honest buck, but I'm 100% American and mm-hmm. I ain't working for no two bit Nazi. That's one of my favorite bits from that movie is that speech that he gives. 
you know, oh, come on, Eddie, what's it matter? I pay you good money. Hey, look. And I just, I, yeah, I get all, mm-hmm. I get a little, I get a little patriotic over the mobster telling off the Nazi, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that we were supposed to have met the, the, the late great Paul Servino now, ah. um, that was just kind of, I had just, it was about noon. I had just started to kind of come out of my, my David Warner funk mm-hmm. and that one hit. And it was like, I'm, I'm just going to go home. <laughs> if you need me, I will be in the pillow fort coloring because I do not want to adult the rest of the day. I'm, I'm just done. Uh, this, this day exacts a heavy toll. I guess something I didn't realize until after this was that he and uh, Lisa Barrowman was a, were a couple. David Warner and Lisa Barrowman. Yeah. I guess taking it from the silence, you guys didn't realize that either. Did not know that. I yeah. knew. I knew. I knew his. Uh, I knew his partner's name was Lisa. I didn't know it was Barrowman. It is. It. Uh, in fact, I think, and they, they they never talked much about their relationship. Um, but from what I had read and gathered, was they they met uh, doing recordings for Big Finish. So they've only been a couple for about two or three years, I guess. Um, but yeah, <laughs> they they had met through Big Finish and and became a became an item that way. So, huh? Yeah. I think it wasn't until some of the. Um, Media reports came out talking about his partner. Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. Should we move on to some better news, though? Which is, um, well, maybe for some. (laughs) Some some may consider this not so good news. um, That... um, Disney Plus is in, well, Disney is in talks with uh, the BBC uh, to be the first uh, line stream, getting the first line streaming rights to rights to Doctor Who, um, presumably uh, the 60th anniversary and beyond. So, and of course, there's there's little information coming out about that because they, they we do know that they're in private talks. I think Forbes is who broke this. Um, but uh, the idea would be that uh, they would presumably instead of whereas hbo max carries the seasons i think uh so many months out from them actually airing uh, it sounds like disney would be would be day and date so that subscribers to disney plus would get to the episodes that way in order to uh, help bolster their library as they're they're trying to get established content i understand and it also isn't clear whether it would be regionally based whether you know it would be worldwide or whether it would be just certain parts mm-hmm. of the country because certain parts of the country or parts of the world um do have different catalogs on disney plus than we do and as a matter of fact i think australia doesn't even have um hulu they have a section of their disney plus called star that has all of their like more adult um focused content so as I've said before, I for one welcome our corporate overlords. <laughs> I, I, I'm uh, I'm in favor uh, of anything that uh, brings who more exposure. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think absolutely. Disney's a, a good fit for it. 
Um, I think Disney's a much better fit for it than the HBO Max. Yeah, quite honestly. Although Strange I think towns. I think uh, Disney Plus would probably have to offer a lot of money to uncouple uh, <laughs> uh, the BBC from Warner Brothers because they've had a at least a partnership in distribution all the way back to the uh, video uh, days. That's how here in the U.S. or in the North North American region uh, we would actually get our VHS and DVDs distributed was through uh, Warner Brothers. And since Warner mm-hmm. Brothers is who owns HBO, it's it, it, it would certainly take some decoupling in order to do that. But I think Disney has the money to do it. And I think that they're, they certainly are, um, just from everything you read, in the market of not only new content, but bolstering content that's already there and available and ready. And uh, to bring, now, it also doesn't mean we would get probably all the classic catalog, but it would be ideal if we did. Um, it might be like XBO Max, where it's just from the 20, uh, 2005 um, relaunch on. I think the other thing that people are concerned about is there are there is a a um, section of fans out there that are afraid of of Disneyfying Doctor Who, and I I don't I think if it wasn't a brand new Bad Wolf um, helmed program come the 60th anniversary and on, I think that the the maybe those fears would be a little more valid, but I think that. Disney really, their only stake in it would be to distribution. I don't think they want any say in how it goes. And I don't think Bad Wolf Productions would give them much more say other than, you know, yeah, well, you can broadcast our our show. So I, I think that, that those people that are afraid that Disney gets their, their dips their toe in, that it's suddenly going to become Disney-fied, I think that's unfounded. I don't think we have to worry about that kind of thing. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't seem like a, a a necessary concern. I've seen several people concerned about the Disneyfication of it, and I, it's like you guys know. I mean, we don't know, admittedly, but I, I imagine this is just distribution, mm-hmm. and in no way, shape, or form is Disney making Doctor Who. Right. Yeah. So they're they're not going to have any say in the product itself. They're simply going to be airing it. Um. And that's why I think it's a good thing that it's going to, you know, further the spread of the show. Um, But time will tell. And, you know, it may not be, I I don't know if Disney would go so far as to demand an exclusive. It may just be that they want to be an additional outlet for it. Um, So that if you're not an HBO Max subscriber, you could get it here as well. Um, So maybe it'll be on both kind of like, um, oh, uh, what movie? Well, uh, Bob's Burgers. You know, obviously, that was uh, probably a, a deal that was done maybe even before the, the, the Fox merger was complete. But I noticed that that's currently streaming on both uh, HBO Max and Hulu. The the so, Bob's, yeah, the, the, uh, the deal Bob's with, movie. The deal with HBO Max, uh, I think, was prior to uh, Disney purchase. So it doesn't have to be necessarily exclusive, although I'm sure Disney would love for it to be exclusive. But. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm in favor of it. I'm trying to think if there's any non-Disney produced shows that are on Disney Plus. Uh, well, that are still ongoing. You're not. You're. Oh, okay. I was just saying you're not counting the Fox titles that they picked up. No, I'm. I'm trying to think of and ones that are continuing to be produced. Obviously, like. 
there's some that no i mean i think because are on there yeah the majority of that kind of stuff though is on who you're gonna find on hulu anyway yeah are they just picked up uh they just announced that the orville is uh all three seasons are moving over there but that's one of the fox titles that uh, yeah yeah and and that's on hulu Hulu produced an additional yeah they have the distribution rights on that anyway so they own the orville yes And Disney, if you're listening, we want a season four. (laughs) (laughs) I think as well as it's being received, Disney is not Netflix. They're not just going to cancel it for no reason. They, if they'll listen, if it's doing well, they'll continue. As long as uh, McFarlane wants to do it. As long as he's involved, I think it will. I think he said he'd willing to keep going if there's a want and a need for it. So. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. All right, well, should we move on to our reviews? This week we're doing the War Master Volume 1, Only the Good, which is, um, but we're doing two, three, parts two, three, and four because we already reviewed one. The Good Master. The Time War rages around Arkeen, a planet serving as a sanctuary for the sick and injured. But Arkeen is protected by a mysterious, powerful force. A force the Master will stop at nothing to harness, even if it turns itself against him. Bump, bump. And then it kind of trails off at the end. Kind of like the story does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really good setup. It's a really good intriguing story. It it I like the now I'm going to say this before we review all of these because I think this does sort of color my um perception of all of these different stories, but had I listened to this box set before listening to the other master stories, I think maybe I would have come to this box set even more excited or or came away from it even more excited than I am. I'm not saying this is a bad box set by any means. I'm not saying these are bad stories, but I think that we, we did ourselves a disservice, you know, unintentionally by doing it, Again. doing it away, you know, doing it in such a way that we are so that we are staying chronological as opposed to release order. Because I think the, some of the stories now that we've heard with the war master have, are, are much better war master stories. They're more, they're better portrayals of the war master. So when we get to this point, I think at the time that this was made, we would this is this would have been our war master. This would this would have been what we understand as as to be the war master. But now I think that character has grown so much that it 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 almost casts a different picture in these. And it's not until the very last one that I felt like we really kind of got the war master that we've been experiencing uh, through the rest of these stories. That said, I think that this is a great premise. I like the idea that the doc that the master is, you know, hiding out and pretending to be a doctor. Although we've kind of it's kind of a rehash of what we've had before, but 
he's you know uh he he's playing the pieces uh so to speak on this uh uh planet in order to get closer to uh this powerful force whatever it is and um you know the 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 daleks coming and saying you know give up the master we know he's here him playing off the uh greed of the one main woman i like the idea of a planet that has this powerful force that basically protects them and that's why they've become a hospital planet because nothing can nothing can happen to them um i think where it does fall down is when the master decides he gets his group together and gets close enough to get it then it's like there's no it falls apart because he doesn't get it it's like he kind of bumbles it and then it just oh this poor planet now it doesn't have what it needs because it doesn't have this paradoxical force anymore so it just it's like it falls off and you're like uh, what was the whole point of this story what was the point of this build up and this getting there to only just have it to kind of fall apart at the end and that that's what i didn't like about this one yeah same here uh i like the idea of you know the master hiding out trying to do something and i wind up doing a lot of good on accident <laughs> right he does it right. that's a pretty clever idea and it's also kind of a considering it's the first box set it's a kind of a safe idea it kind of puts him in doctor like shoes where they're kind of tiptoeing about okay how bad do we want the master to be so mm-hmm. it, it it feels like a very safe war master as far as the entire box set goes um and the, the the resolution it feels so i don't the whole thing is like okay so cole grabs it and it's never really clear what exactly happens and why it stops but it's just like it's like oh well all of that was kind of for nothing mm, great yeah <laughs> it it just fizzles out i mean the the it's it's like somebody unplugged the the thing there's this mythical force, this mystic mythical force that's stretched. It's a fixed point. It is stretched back through the eons from eternity, and it's been waiting for the master for this point in time. It knows it's coming. It's sentient. It knew it was coming for him. Cole touches it, and it goes away. Yeah. And No real explanation of how or why. Yeah, it just kind of stops. And the master's like, oh, yeah, of course that would happen. It's like, why right and they kind of make some allusions to it being a bootstrap paradox that it it had to happen because it was going to because happen because it was set yeah but there's there's not enough meat to that to really cement it in my mind as to why it had to happen right um and then the daleks swoop in and destroy everything and we're off and running on to you know well we've got to get out of here um and it's really unfortunate because i feel like the the core mystery of the planet and 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 the masters goings on i would have happily even though i enjoyed all of that i would have happily sacrificed some of the hospital stuff in order to explore the mystery of this planet a little bit more and mm-hmm. give that some some more oomph in order to satisfactorily resolve it at the end of the story yeah um and i just don't feel like we got it and it's very frustrating because it was such a wonderful setup and a, a well-told story. Uh, and uh, uh, of course, again, Jacoby gives a, an amazing performance in this role. And what an interesting idea that uh, of the two of them, 
that the master has more basic medical knowledge than the doctor (laughs) (laughs) for all of the times that the doctor has had to stop somebody and go, Oh no, I'm not that kind of doctor. (laughs) You you would think he would have accidentally picked some of it up by now just to be able to try and help some people. Well, I think that that's probably why is because the master's not afraid to get in there and get his hands dirty because he has very little scruples. And so if something happens, then, oh, well, he wipes his hands of it and moves on. Whereas the doctor, I think, probably is a little more apprehensive. So he has always said, oh, I'm not that kind of doctor and deferred to the medical experts, whereas the master right. has no scruples. So it does make sense that the doctor would have picked up more or that the master would have picked up more because of that. But you, you would think even, you know, field medicine, surely there's a there's a class in the eons of wandering that the doctor could have taken that. Well, if he came across somebody in a wrecked spaceship and their spleen was hanging out. He could have done a little bit more than made them comfortable and boiled some tea. You I don't know, know what I mean. Yeah. I don't know about that, but let's, let's also be fair that the doctor has more medical medical knowledge when it serves the story too. There's been, well, occa- yeah, there's true. been occasions where he knows more than it's implied in another story. So, but yeah, but it, it almost uh, seems like it's one of those skills that, you know, some people just pick up and learn easily. The master plays it off like, well, it's just rudimentary biology. It's just, poof, it's easy. <laughs> it's like one of those things he just understands naturally. Yeah. How the body works and how to destroy it. And he, therefore, he knows how to fix it because he knows how to break it. Plus, I suppose that does fit very well with his, uh, his previously established, uh, uh, comments about you have to understand something in order to kill it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that I guess makes sense that he would have done a, a thorough study of anatomy in order to know where to cut somebody's carotid artery or something. <laughs> and lest we forget too, he has spent um, a significant time with the Ronnie who is a biologist. So he's probably picked up some stuff from that as well. Um, Anything else about this one? I, I think what it does do, and, and and it's not until the revelation later, but what it does do is it it sets up Cole initially mm-hmm. being rescued in order to further the paradoxical issue that happens uh, later on. But we'll get there. The next one yeah. is the Skyman. When his new companion decides to save a planet, the Master indulges this most futile of requests. Materializing on a primitive agarian world, both the strangers quickly find their place in it, until fallout from the war invades their happy paradise. Bum, bum, bum! Really? Oh, man, did I love this one. So this is Mondas 2.0. This is basically, this this would have been the genesis of the Cybermen had they not already done the genesis of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. This, this, this story felt like a, we've done this before. And I think the other thing that I don't like about this story is the fact that it's all coal. There's the ma- and it, it makes sense why they do it this way, but it's this just, it's this love story and this futile effort to, for Cole to try to save this, um, uh, society these farmers this this group of farmers living on this planet and it's it, it it's it's a it's nice as a love story but it doesn't fit 
in this box set. And it, it, it does for the fact that you had to have Cole try to, or you had to have Cole inadvertently create this race that's going to be a problem. But it it's it's not a master story. It's the master in the background kind of, you know, nudging him along. I can't, I can't do anything. I'm sorry. Oh, but there might be some things that I, in an unlocked shed out here that, you know, you guys can. So he's, he's nudging Cole in that direction constantly, but always from the background. And I am sort of glad now that, that they did the story that they did later, where we find out what is, what the master's doing as Cole's yeah. off doing all of this stuff. That, that was neat. And I'm glad they came back and revisited that because I think it gives this, Knowing that now this worked in reverse for what I was arguing earlier, but knowing that now kind of gives us a little more, um, uh, gives it helps it out a little bit, I guess I should say. But I, I was a nice companion piece, exactly, exactly. But I, I got very bored with something that I felt was very predictable. I sort of felt like I, I kept rooting for Cole, wanting him to find a cure, but as the story degrades into uh, dire sta- straits. I just I knew that there. Were, I knew where it was going. Most eh, well, about halfway in, I kind of knew where it was going. Now I didn't know that they were taking the Cybermen route as much as they do until we kind of get to that point. But I really kind of felt like it was just a rehash of a story. It was the 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 master who I'm listening to this box set for sidelined, and a a romantic story that was decent. But I think the trappings could have been better. I think that there could have been, I think it could have been more originality around it. Let's just put it that way. See, for me, it had such great supporting cast and characters and was such a, a tragedy of a story that I was riveted the entire time. I, I was, yeah, it would have been nice to have the master there more, but the way it was done had him just enough that I was like, every time I thought, oh, wait, we haven't heard from the master in a while, he popped back up. And so it was always a, oh, yep, there he is. Okay. And he's kind of, you know, he almost, until you eventually learn what he was doing between that last story and this one, through this entire box set, it almost seems like it's a softened master that Mm -hmm. he's actually being kind to people through Mm -hmm. these two stories. And it's just, it the approach to the character in this part two is absolutely fascinating in my opinion just because it's such a different approach to seeing this character how differently than we normally see it yeah i concur i i for me and maybe i'm just a softy but i loved the romance i i fell hard for these two and uh cole being such a you know wet behind the ears noob at uh you know world saving and he's so out of his depth and you know when he makes this grand statement yes i've come from the sky and i'm going to save your planet it's like dude you don't open with that come on <laughs> I mean, just what a, what a, you know and they take him in anyway they're like well come on come come have come have some uh, some mead and uh, we'll, we'll we'll find out and uh you know he kind of makes a mess of things but he fixes it and then you know goes through the motions of the pump and the bridge and gets to know these people. And I, I was just there for it. I was like, this is a wonderful story. And yeah, I mean, Glenn's right. Nothing happens. Absolutely. Nothing happens throughout this. It's just the lives of these people in this village and how Cole interacts with them. 
but man, I was there for it. I just was, was absolutely riveted to the goings on of, you know, they, I could have spent another week listening to, you know, how many sheep we lost in the, uh, the, the drought and, and everything. What uh, he was going to screw up trying or what they were going to get mad at him for him trying to improve next. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just this, you know, I, I hesitate to use the term comedy of error because it certainly wasn't. It was an absolute tragedy. And uh, him and Elise uh, and how, you know, how, how he struggled to just try and do something right. And I didn't make the connection at all it didn't feel familiar to me at all and the master showing up and doing his his thing it was like what is your what is your deal what is your you're being very hands-off which i get and you're you're going to let cole fall on his face which i get those are very master things but i i don't understand quite why other than the vineyard you know <laughs> connection what is your ultimate end goal here and I still think it would have been nice if we'd kind of had a more pointed, this is when the master decides to take a break from the time war mm -hmm. kind of, you know, set up for things. But beyond that, you know, the, the fact that he's not there and he's letting Cole take the fall for the, you know, everything that Cole sets up and does on his own. Uh, you know, I'm fine with the fact that he was kind of a, you know, we've had Dr. Light stories. This is a, a master light story. I'm fine with that. When we eventually get to the, you know, well, it's a containment suit and it, it's going to keep you safe. I'm like, okay, but how's that going to work? And uh, you just, dude, you're kind of sentencing these people to imprisonment in a weird way. And then he leaves. He encases her in the suit and leaves, and she's being doped up with this, oh, it'll calm you down. And I'm like, man, this suit thinks of everything. And it wasn't until, oh, they self-replicate. Okay, cool. It was not until he gets to the master and they come clomping down the road. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. It's an alternate Cyberman origin story. And that tickled me like, yeah, I was I was over the moon for it. I was like, yeah, okay, this you were like a ten. Now you're an eleven. That's so cool. Um, and I don't even care that it's Mondo's two point I don't care. This is great. We, well, they they, I, they 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 skirt it away just far enough that yeah, it's essentially the Cybermen. But I yeah. mean, how many times have we seen this story in science fiction in general? So it's it's not like Cybermen have the uh, the monopoly on this idea. Yeah. We went right up to the line without. Yeah. I, I, I don't hate the story. I, I just don't think it was that great. I, in fact, it's it, to me, it's well, it's close to the weakest one for me just because I was, just because I was bored. I thoroughly enjoyed the ride of it all. Yeah. Now I, I disagree. I think it's uh, not that I heard your point, but I, <laughs> I disagree with it. Um, just as Keith said, the Cybermen don't necessarily have a monopoly on the idea of, of you know, we've had robo men, we've had uh, zombies, we've had, I mean, there, there are numerous kind of, uh, you know, emotionless android people uh, in the galaxy. And so and anything is possible. And um the, the, the fact that we walked right up to that line but didn't cross over it, 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 was, it was clever enough done that I was totally okay with it. 
and uh, you know didn't step on any toes. And even if they had, even if they had come out and said, "Oh, these are Cybermen," we've had Pete's World Cybermen, we've had alternate universe Cybermen. We're on yet another planet that's being impacted by the time war at this point. So it's very easily retconned. Uh, the show the, proper has given us two different origin stories. Yeah, I mean, on so it, on, on screen, <laughs> it, it's it's just a uh, it's a, here here's here's yet another what if, and um, you know the oh, master uh, seems to be like, oh wow, you kind of screwed the pooch there, didn't you, Cole? Well, nope. hey, come and come and come and get away. <laughs> he was feeding it though. I think that to me is another that's another strike against it because not only has it been done in Doctor Who before. It's been done in science fiction, so it now it feels even more to me like a rehash. And let's get some originality. Let's do something a little different, not something that we're retreading. It's a poor excuse to say, well, you know, it's it's not the first time that they've done it. It's not even the second time they've done it. Well that's that's not a good excuse for it to be good. But I've never seen it done this way. Okay. I've not. We'll 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 have to agree to disagree. Well, we've seen the same Doctor Who stories, so I'm I'm pretty sure you have, from my opinion, but not not from a not from a, a love angle, trying to save, you know the woman you love and turning her into this this monstrosity. You don't think not, that not in Doctor you Who you don't think that spare parts now it wasn't a love story, but you don't think spare parts was the same passion to save a race of people? In the, for the same reasons, I mean, it wasn't a romantic love story that was the cause, but it was certainly love of of their own civilization, their own mankind. I mean, it's, it's spare again, parts it's was done on thing. such a bigger scale, though, that it, it it doesn't feel the same to me at all. Spare parts has a, an entire planet, uh, you know, scope to it at at stake, and um, so so no. Uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't have the same feel at all okay. for me. And and the, and the fact that it's closer to the bill two parter. Oh, there you go. See, you're you're yeah. not you're not helping you're not helping sell me on this <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're exactly right. It is it is much more on the scale of that. And as a matter of fact, what makes that even worse is they did that again, and that is a Cyberman story. <laughs> so that's like a third attempt at. at uh, a different way of pre- presenting the Cybermen. Now, in this one, they don't go as far to say they are, and I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying that you're you're not argue, you're not helping. Now, I, th- I think spare parts gets a pass because it is clearly meant to be the, the origin Genesis, yeah. of the Cybermen. Sure, sure, I agree. And so that 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 is kind of you know for it's it's the established canon in yeah. my head. Yeah, I agree. And with so this you. is an offshoot, so it's different, but. You know, yeah, it's it's a it's a similar story, but you know, even if it was, you know, the Daleks, we've had multiple versions of that throughout the years, yeah, and and we've had a master story <laughs> where he went and monkeyed with it and and did it, so it's it's kind of just yet another in that in that line, but this one just had a unique enough take on it, and now, like I said, I'm a sucker for a love story. I like I like romantic comedies, I like romances, uh, and and this one, I bit hard into the. The, the 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 life of Cole and and uh, and his his woman and and was rooting for him even though I knew it was doomed from the get go and mm. I I enjoyed it I thought it was worthwhile. Well, and considering where the story goes, you can almost do some hand waving and make it be Cybermen still. Yeah, <laughs> that true. would make, that would make it worse. Considering um, how it ends, well, how not, the entire not, box set ends. Uh, well, let's let's move into the next one because I want to see. 
I just want to see your guys' interpretation of this next one. So let's start this one. Um, the Heavenly Paradigm. With his plans approaching fruition, the Master travels to Stamford Bridge in the 1970s, a location he believes might hold the key to his success. But what terrible secrets lurk under the stairs of number 24 Marigold Lane? And what sacrifices will the Master make in the name of ultimate victory? Okay, so this one I I think has a very very strong open. Mm-hmm. I think it has a very strong middle. Mm-hmm. I think it has a kind of weak climax, and then it has a very strong ending. So it's a bump. Uh, uh, I'll let you. Go, of a, I'll let you go first because I'm. I think I'm kind of in the same boat with the exception of the last point, but there's a caveat to that. So go ahead. The idea that the Time Lords have this uh, weapons locker, <laughs> for lack of a better term, uh, stashed on Earth of all places, um, is cool. It's not uh, not the first time that we've done that. I almost expected Hand of Omega, to, uh, possibly mm-hmm. to make an mm-hmm. appearance, mm-hmm. Um, but was kind of glad that we didn't go there. Um, I liked the, 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 the old lady being a, a, a time agent um, and the, the interactions of everything and the computer being just self-aware enough to cause problems but not quite self-aware enough to actually be evil. All of that was, was fun and delightful. I like that we finally got the turn that the master reveals, you know, this is what I've been after all along. And of course, Cole has to be sacrificed. That's why I've been dragging him along through all this because he's, and why he's so important to me, mm-hmm. why he's so important. And Cole, uh, this is another thing that the box set I think falls down a little bit on is that realistically Cole has become the master's Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that with Charlie, when the doctor, inadvertently saved her and suddenly has this paradoxical companion it's this big oh god what do i do and with the master it's like hmm okay it could because he is so not concerned about the web of time now maybe it's because of the time war that everything is in shreds and tatters that it's it's just a moot point at that at, at this point but maybe it's because of his, you know, the wiring in his head is like, I could care less if this causes problems, you know, at okay, worst. I uses to my advantage. Exactly. You know, good night, Wesley. At most, I can kill you in the morning. <laughs> so he's going to move on with it. <laughs> so the fact that he's got this master plan to, to sacrifice Cole and plug him into the machine and use the paradox nature of him to then rewrite the universe thanks to this wonderful algorithm. And I'm surprised there weren't references to the CIA because this Mm -hmm. totally sounds like something they would have come up with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, okay, cool. I can get, I can get on board with this. This is really nifty. And the heavenly paradigm, what an awesome name. And even the rationale for why it wasn't used when, when Cole and the old lady are talking and she's like, but, but you know you're living your best life. Why wouldn't you use it? But but are you really? And kind of the real the rash the, the realization that oh, I'm not really you know it's like do I still have free will at that point? Because it, yeah, I'm I'm living a great life, but all of the decisions are being made for me. Mm-hmm. Is it so great at that point? Mm-hmm. Eh. You know, e- even I, even I could see the, the the argument to that one. As much as I would like that life, I'm kind of like yeah, well, 
<laughs> Maybe that would kind of suck if you were aware of it. So um, all of that was 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 just top notch. And then, um, you know, we, we get a little back and forth with her and the master and it doesn't work and then it does. And OK, and he, it, he, he wins. He gets he gets a W and the machine turns on and does its thing and makes things way worse than he anticipated, which, oh, wow, who didn't see that coming? Come on, <laughs> really? Master is so limited in his thinking sometimes. Okay. And that, that I think, is the part that... That's part of the part of his MO in general, though. So yeah. It's, it's not I, out of character. For it's that. not out of character. It just... I, I, I don't know. I almost think it would have... I almost think I, I'd have been better served in the story if he hadn't stopped her and it had been focused in and destroyed just her as opposed to actually impacting the rest of the universe. Because that, that to me would have been, oh, you were foiled at the last minute as opposed to you won and screwed it up yourself. Yeah. Because the Master is such a, a fun character to root for that when he fails and it's his fault that you kind of feel like, well, shame on me for, for thinking this was going to go well, you know? So you, you share an equal part of the, of the failure in some ways as a listener. And it's, it's frustrating because you, 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 you I mean, obviously he's the bad guy, so we don't want to root for yeah. him. And yet we are rooting for him. <laughs> And so the home team has now lost again. I imagine it's like being a, a, a Washington Generals fan and going to all of the, the Globetrotter games and just going, <laughs> man, we just can't catch a break. I mean, every now and then you get one, but for the most part, it's just the, the, the longest losing streak in history. And you're like, well, maybe next time, guys. So there, there's there's that kind of stigma attached to it, and so then well, when he decides, well, well before enough we, of that, before we move to that, let me just because I'm going to really get this in here. Yeah, real, go for it. I've been quick. talking a lot. But, uh, the reason I say this is because I agree with everything you said up until this point. I, I I completely agree with you. I think my only niggle with this is the fact that the crux of this story is that the the master wants to bring peace, and it's too much for the machine. So what's the point of this machine if it can't handle peace? If it can't handle it's ultimate peace? supposed to be on the large scale that and, he's using it as and, the, the and, thing. And I think that, well, and that's that's just it. I, I how, how large of a scale does a machine that rewrites the universe have to be? That's my point. Is they drive it home that it sort of rewrites everything. So why can something be too much for it? I think that was my issue with it. Is I didn't you, get the impression that it rewrote the entire universe until the master did his fiddling with it, that it would just rewrite somebody's life, essentially. And it would only be within the scope of one person's life that it would rewrite things and make it so that their life goes the way, you know, the easy way it should to make things better. Okay. I, I, Not I was the entire the scope of the entire universe. That you could use it for an entire planet or an entire society, that that would work fine. But the again, the rationale behind it that well, does that, you know, if, if this society is great, then surely another society somewhere else is so, failing because of it. So my problem with it not being 
a rewrite the universe and just rewrite the individual is it kind of does make the argument that number one it's a weapon because if it's just going to happen for one person what does that matter unless you're using it on the one person that's the cause for a problem then i suppose it could but if you're going to use it for one person then then how is this a powerful weapon i mean it does it does make a lot of changes for somebody makes things go better for them or makes things go different for somebody else but it that's not a good enough weapon for it to be a now granted i i know what you're saying he pushed it too far because he was going to use it against the time lords but why are the 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 only argument then is the discussion that the two of that he and the time agent lady um have a discussion about what well, do would you really want to use it because or the reason we don't use it is because would you really want to strip yourself of that free will if this is the way things are supposed to happen so my impression was don't use it because it kind of strips free will from everybody except for the person that has molded the universe in the way that they want it to be done so that's what strips the agency but it doesn't strip the agency for just one person it strips that agency for everyone and so right. it doesn't make any sense to me why you would have that conversation if it was just affecting one people or even or even a smaller amount of people, say a planet, as as Sean's trying to argue, which I, I'm a little more on board with that, that it's a little larger scale. But it really yeah, got the, they do talk about wanting to use it on Scarrow to yeah. To redo so the timeline. I, I got the I got the impression that it was just it was it was a larger scope. So I kind of felt like overloading it seemed like too much or too easy of an out. And that's the other thing that I don't like about it is the fact that the only thing that the master, the only mistake that the master makes is he gives it too much to cope with. That's not really a mistake on the master when you kind of are serving up the idea of how this thing works, then it, it should work the way that you're trying to make it work. So then it becomes accidental instead of the master, co- you know, bumbling and causing a problem. It becomes just a complete accident. And so that strips the agency of the the um, the ending of the story. How how, it, you know, I, I wanted to I wanted the, the computer to intervene. I wanted Cole to somehow miraculously come back. Um, I'm kind of glad that he didn't, because I think that his his journey Ending the way that it does, this the sacrifice that the that the master uses, or the the way the master sacrifices him, I think would have been undone if he had come back. But I just sort of wanted yeah. something else to thwart the master rather than dumb accidental luck, you know. And so I think that's why I struggle with this part. Well, it's the the problem is the MacGuffin itself, the 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 fact that this thing is an algorithm. Okay, that to me says math. That we've we've written a program that's going to do this thing, and now you're telling me that once we plug it in and turned it on, that and the computer even says, "Well, the universe is a big place." Okay, but it's still math. There's still infinite numbers that it Mm -hmm. should be able to handle this, Right, right? right? So now you're telling me that the math doesn't work. And I, I kind of have issue with that because yeah. that now you're that that I think is where it falls down is the one thing that it's supposed to do it doesn't do. I think you're stating it much better than I was, Sean. I, that's that's what okay. I agree with. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, you 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 have broken the thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's not that we decided it's a bad idea. It's that it's broken. <laughs> mm-hmm. We, we could have right. just led with that. <laughs> Well, even if they had, you know, hinted that, you know, this thing has been broken and this is why it's in this 
archive instead of being used somewhere, I would be more okay with, you know, the fact that it goes wrong for the master because he didn't maybe know it was broken well, and tried to use it. That would have been better, yeah. <laughs> and, and it would make Honestly, more sense. you're right. It, that, that would make more sense because then it is the master's fault and it's right, his hubris that, right, oh, well, exactly. my, my calculations can fix it. Right. And then the computer can come back with, well, the universe is a big place. I mean, okay, it, that, that, I can, that I can buy. I can swallow that one a little better. And it also makes more sense for why that thing is here in a weapon store rather than in that big vault where the, that's holding the moment on Gallifrey yeah. and many other yeah. dangerous weapons. It makes, that was the other thing that I had a problem with is why do we have this where supposedly all the best weapons are stored. I don't know where they called it, the Vault of Rassilon or where the Omega, the Omega Arsenal, I think. Oh, Omega Arsenal, yeah. So the Omega Arsenal, this is like the baddest of all bad things. And then you've got this thing that you're making out to be a big thing on a weapon store on Earth. And so had they sort of, the way you were, you were uh, framing it, Keith, I think that would have worked for me better that it was there because it made sense that, well, that's why we've kind of put it away because it's it's no longer worthy of the arsenal because of the fact that it it's there's a there's a flaw that would have worked better maybe that was the intent maybe maybe it didn't come this, across this, 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 yeah this is this is all kinds of stuff that could have been written into this story that would have made it better <laughs> we tend the, to do that though we tend to find yeah, we tend, we tend to, to not only find flaws but then we try to rewrite it to make it better <laughs> yeah but but maybe you know okay well this was actually it was supposed to be in the omega archive and we moved it over here at a much softer target so that the Daleks would find it and they would turn it on and try to use it <laughs> and it would have blown them up because the math doesn't work. It wouldn't work. I, I do think that the nugget of the machine actually saving planets that ended up empowering the Daleks works. I think that's, that is, in, that's an interesting uh, device within this going wrong. It's just the fact that it's going wrong is what I have a problem with. And I kind of once, you know, okay, so the master did this and made all these changes to planets. Now I want to explore the ramifications of this. I know we get some references to, you know, oh, well, before this, the Daleks didn't get control of the cruciform, which mm -hmm. we obviously know they did and, right. and that sort of thing. But there's a lot of other stuff that they referenced that I would have been intrigued to explore, you know ramifications of the changes plus any ones that they didn't mention mm -hmm. that could have happened out there because of this but i don't think we ever get any of that anywhere no. and and this is supposed to effectively take care of the problem that cole set in place but it's never right. made clear that that is one of the things that's wiped away before the master kind of retreats and or the machine breaks down or whatever it's not made clear enough that that's been stopped. So I suppose that leaves that little dangling thread out there for somebody to pick up later if they need to. But then again, it's just another now at this point, it's even worse because now it's just another cyber race out there. I don't or know. It's just another version of, you know, the Cybermen. Right. Right. Um, yeah. so here's what, and, and I think I, I'm gonna let Sean go on. Cause I, I stopped him in the middle. Keith, unless you have something else to, to mm -hmm. add, I, I think that, that I'm going to let Keith, or, uh, Sean say his piece about the end, because I think we may be on the same page, but for different reasons. Well, then uh, the master's like, Oh, well, okay, this sucks. Time for me to run away. And he brings out the, the chameleon arch, uh, with the fob watch. And he's going to, um, uh, you know, 
get to where we eventually find him as uh, Professor Yana. Mm-mm. And Mm-mm. no, no, he reverts to a child before we get there. Is that what you mean? Just the, well, yeah, the setup I mean, to get us to there. The okay. Arch and then goes to be a child. Yes. Right? Okay. The, lo- gotcha. the, the long way around. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make sure that you, you weren't implying that right after this is the honest story because there's a lot of no, time. No, 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 no. Okay. There, there, okay. There's, there's several, several years, but uh, carry on. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's a nice uh, dovetailing into, you know, the familiar waters of where he's going to wind up mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a farewell, if you will, to the, the war master. And I thought that was okay, cool. At least there's a rationale for why, you know, the fact that, well, I can't do any more damage around this popsicle stand <laughs> <laughs> quite literally. That that's a good reason to go hide at the end of the universe uh, on top of the time war. You know that not only did you screw it up, but uh, not only was there a time war, not only was it bad, but you made it worse. Okay, I can buy that, and so that kind of redeemed the story for me a little bit. Um, and and I, I liked that ending of it. Um, mm-hmm. Although I was a little sad that uh, you know, to 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 kind of kind of come to the end of uh, of Jacoby. Well, as much as I like the ending of, okay, yes, it dovetailed and fit perfectly, it didn't feel like everything leading up to it was Thank as you. momentous as I thought Thank it should you. have been. That's, that's, I would agree with that, too. That is it my... felt like a bigger thing should have happened to make him go on yes, to the end of the universe. Yes. Now, that being said, had this been the only thing we experienced from the beginning, if we had just listened to this... Th- I'm talking about when this was released... Unknowing right. that that there were going to be more Jacoby um, Warmaster stories, this probably would have been sat- more satisfactory to us because this is mm-hmm. what we would have gotten and this is what we have known. But I agree. I think it's sort of I I was very I love the satisfaction of knowing of putting those final pieces in place. But I'm with you, Keith. I feel like there should have been an even bigger buildup before we got to this point. And so it would have now having listened to all the rest of the stories that we've listened to, it does kind of cheapen uh, the reason why he goes to this. And I am glad that we had the baby crying in the background and it's implied that he's started because it has to fit with the the uh, comment, I think, in Utopia, where he talks about um, was found as a baby on the coast of the Silver uh, Dev- Devastation. Devastation. Yeah, so it does work with that, and it does because that was my thought. Was I thought, okay, we we have the War Master this whole time at the age that he is when he's Yana, but I I had that in the back of my mind going, but he has to revert to a child at some point. So they did make that work here. I don't know if I agree with you though that this would have been satisfying because I, I think had we come into this and if. Because if you look at the whole box set, the four stories, even though we're only reviewing the three of them tonight, but if you had looked at the four, we, we started with Beneath the Viscoid, mm-hmm. where he's on the run from the Daleks and hiding underwater. Yeah. And and he's he's really kind of not the war master that, that we eventually get um, because he's he's on the run. He, he's being pursued. He's, he's being hunted. And then you get the good... War Master in the next one, and then you get an absent War Master in the third one, and it's not until you get the final one 
that he he kind of shows up as the War Master. So of a four story box set, you really are only getting one War Master story out of it, um, where he's you know kind of legit in War Master mode, as it were. Well, so I don't know that we would have been War Master mode. Yeah, very much so. I I why why that doesn't work though is because why why that explanation doesn't work is because the reason why this would have been more satisfying is because. This is in if you just listen to these three four stories, this is where the stakes are the greatest. And so it works into the fact that he 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 runs from it and high, you know, decides I'm gonna use this chameleon arch and go on. Because this is the highest that the stakes are taken to for the master up to this point that we know of. And yeah. so it does work, but because the stakes have been even higher in previous stories that we've listened to, it sort of brings this one down to where it isn't satisfactory because we've had, we've set the bar higher. We've set the stakes higher. We've set the, 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 the epicness of the finales much higher than this one ends up being. But had this, that that part I understand, but this is the, this is the highest stakes that we've had up to this point. If we, if we've just started with this one and have no knowledge of anything else coming. I get where you're coming from. I think what I mean is that had we listened to just this set and this was all we were familiar with, our complaint probably would have been, man, I was not really enough looking master. forward to some war master. <laughs> yeah. and we didn't get yeah. any war yeah. master. I, I think would have been where, you know, I was really looking forward to some war master store. What, what was this? Why was he hiding the whole time? So I, I can we'd see have, we'd, we'd have found something to complain. About. I can see that perspective. And I think you're probably right in a way, but also from that perspective, I was, at the time, very surprised, very surprised that they got Jacoby, although I should have been because yeah. they, they got um, John Hurt. But I was really surprised that they got Jacoby to come back and reprise that role. And so I think just knowing that it was maybe a fluke that that happened, then I probably would have done a, okay, well, I'm, I'm satisfied with what we did finally get more of the war master. So from that perspective, maybe it would have been a little more. It's hard to say. I mean, hindsight's 2020. Even in the over, even though I didn't think the resolution was a big enough issue to make him go run away in the context of the war master of what we have listened to and the order we did listen to them in the war master, especially in these last three stories felt like he was tired and he was done. That's a good point. So that's a good point. even though he was trying to get this machine because he's trying to actually stop the war. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he may be yeah. trying to rework the universe to be in a better of his image, but he's still trying to put a stop to the war. Yeah. So he is done with this war at this point. Yeah. That's, so a, good point. that's a good point. It, it almost comes across as, you know what? This is all going wrong. F it. I'm leaving. I'm going to go hide till this is all over. Yeah. That's a good point. Valid point. So right. In the context of the entire box set, it, I'm okay with it. I still wish the tipping point was higher. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you're right. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit. And every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. 
we also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. All right, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, this ends Act 1, officially, of the Time War. Uh, So we will be taking a short break. Uh, Next time we come back, we are going to be reviewing the uh, sidestep, kind of, sort of, canonical podcast, Doctor Who Redacted, uh, which is an audio drama in podcast form. Uh, Mm, it's, It's not. It's an audio it's drama. Yeah. It, it's, okay, it's, it's an audio it drama. Po- they release it on a podcast platform. Yes, you know that? that's ah, exactly okay. what it is. It's released as a podcast platform. It's not the traditional podcast. It's basically an audio drama. It's an audio drama. So we'll be listening to uh, reviewing that. Uh, all, how many parts is it? Ten? Ten parts, yep. All ten parts uh, the next time. And then uh, coming back with Act Two of the Time War as we continue working our way through this uh, wibbly wobbly monstrosity this year uh, with uh, short trips, all hands on deck, and uh, Time War Susan's War, followed by some Eighth Doctor finally making an appearance <laughs> officially. <laughs> Uh, some, sta- some substantial, some substantial so, appearance. Not, not not just a guest spot, but right. a, an actual <laughs> appearance uh, with the first. What is that? One, two, three, four box sets of the Eighth Doctor <laughs> Time War. One, two, three, and four, along with short trips, a heart on both sides. So that uh, kind of takes you out through. Uh, what is that? Uh, probably, I don't know. Uh, probably close. Yeah, this is pro- well, uh, probably further than that. Yeah, probably yeah. further than that. So we'll, we'll go. We'll return to our bi-weekly uh, um, schedule. So, well, that'll probably take us More out to the. To that'll probably take us out until the end of the year. To be honest with you. All right. Well, be sure to check out our website, Travel and Vortex, for any updates on the podcast. And if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on the Patreon link on our website and consider supporting us. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to the podcast. It helps bump us up in the ratings and the recommendations. And make sure you join in on the conversation in our listeners forum on Facebook. That's going to do it for this time. Until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.